All right. Well, today uh, we have a very special guest, and uh, I'm excited about today's uh, worship time uh, around God's Word, and we will have time around God's Word, but I'm also going to be doing a little bit. Oh, hold on. Uh, Kiddos, y'all are dismissed. Kiddos, y'all are dismissed. So if you'd like to go to the back with Miss Kendall, she's right over there, and she's ready to teach you. You guys have a great time and enjoy yourselves. I almost forgot. That would have been bad. Okay, very good. Uh, I am excited today to uh, be welcoming President uh, of Randall, the President of Randall University. He is President Bob Thompson. And, uh, man, we were talking about how long we've known each other. And... uh, it hurt me a little bit, to be honest with you, because I think we've known each other for almost 30 years. Is that right? And uh, I just have always considered Brother Bob a friend, uh, a guy that uh, has always just done a lot for not only uh, myself, but for our family. And uh, he has done quite a bit for Randall University, which is an important uh, university in this church's uh, history. And uh, so I'm going to be sharing a little bit about that, and we're going to be doing kind of a little bit of an interview. He'll be giving us a little bit of an update, and if you don't know about Randall, you'll probably learn a little bit today. Um, But then even further, uh, this is a place that we uh, have a number of students that have gone through and continue to be influenced here uh, at EHC from the things that are going on at Randall. So I'm going to ask President Thompson to come on up and have a seat and let's hear it for him as we welcome him this morning. Okay, now I'm trying to do a little bit of... uh, Uh, making sure that the soundboard is working correctly and we're having a little bit of technical difficulties, but I believe you can be heard right now. I hope so. I hope so too. (laughs) Well, very good. Um, I also want to just mention very quickly that uh, we have kind of a special treat, and that is the fact that President Thompson's wife, Carol, is uh, visiting with us as well today. So, Miss Carol, if you would just wave at everybody and let's give her a hand as well. And the more that we get to know one another and the more that we spend time together, the more we realize we're kind of in the same boat. We're just two dudes who have two incredible women that help us in every way possible. Like, we're barely there without our wives. Can I get an amen from you? No. 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 We've both outkicked our coverage. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, just kind of introduce yourself to everyone and just tell us a little bit about Randall University to get started. And then I've got a few questions. And I'm actually going to surprise you with a little bit of something that you didn't know was coming, but I'm going to do that in a minute. That's what this whole thing was about, to be honest with you. So go ahead, just tell us a little bit about Randall, and I'm going to move this pulpit so everybody can see your beautiful face. Well, now you're going too far. (laughs) I I do appreciate the opportunity to be here. This is not my first time at Eagle Heights. I've been here a couple of times prior to this. Uh, Particularly, uh, we brought a group here to sing, and some of the members of that were a part of this church, particularly Taryn. And so I'm very thankful to be back and be with you again. Uh, I, my name is Bob Thompson. I have grown up in a parsonage. My dad was a free Baptist preacher. And so I tell everybody, I was eight days old, I was in church. And uh, I got saved when I was 16. And when I got saved, I thought I was supposed to go to church. So I've never been out of church, to be honest with you. I've always been a part of the local church. And what was called in its first history, Oklahoma Bible College, I've been a part of that as long as I can remember. My dad was at the state meeting in Oklahoma that voted to begin what was Oklahoma Bible College that had its first class in February of 1959. And so Randall's always been a part of my life. I answered the call to preach when I was 16 years old, 
And uh, it just became a natural thing for me to know since my dad was on the board of trustees, I was going to go to what was Oklahoma Bible College. And so in 1970, I left Poto, uh, got in a dorm, and began my life at uh, what I'll call now Randall University. In fact, that's where I met my wife uh, in January 1971. Uh, she came on campus. I saw her in a blue sweater and a white skirt and thought, that girl needs me as a husband someday. And I pursued her, and she gave in, and now we've been married over 50 years. And so I've been a student. Let's give that a hand. I mean, 50 years. As I will say, as I usually do, that woman is a saint. <laughs> yeah, you're really making me feel, my self-esteem is growing today. I appreciate that. Well, we go yeah. back. Yeah, yeah, we go <laughs> Uh, so Randall's always been a part of my life, and so in 2001, I was asked by the president, Blue Carl Chester, to come and work on the campus as vice president of institutional advancement, and I began that job. Uh, Blue Carl resigned. Dr. Eaton became president. He asked me to stay on, and so you know, I just had that as my career where I traveled and raised money for Randall, and so in the process of looking for a new president when Dr. Eaton retired, and uh, some reason, I guess in God's providence, they gave me the opportunity to become president, and uh, my wife and I accepted it, and it's been an enjoyable experience uh, for the last, in fact, it'll be three years in October for the last three years in my ministry. Yeah, and um, I mean, may as well throw you in while nothing's really happening in the world when you got, you know, COVID and everything shutting yeah. down yeah. and everything going to virtual I started in October, college and all yeah. that stuff. It's I started crazy. in October and March of 2020. We we went online. That's all we could do by virtual because of, of COVID. And so we're without a campus and no students, nobody in the gym, nobody on the baseball field, nobody in the classroom, just uh, staff and administration is there wondering what's next and what's going to happen. What if we could even survive? I thought, this is going to be the shortest tenure of any president ever. We're shutting this thing down in a few yeah. months because we had no idea what would take place. But we've discovered that God's sovereign and God's in control and God's good and God wants his work to continue on. Yeah. And um, so one of the things that, uh, in, in all seriousness, like um, whenever COVID hit, we had tough decisions to right. make about the school because the right. school has never been, you know, some sort of financial juggernaut. It's been something that is, you know, always existed by churches just like ours that are supportive of that, that work. And I want to do this real quickly, and then I want to come back to that thought, okay? okay? So I believe that you'll see a few names real quickly. I want to put them up on the screen. And most of you, well, well, some of you will recognize many of these names. Um, but you can just take a look here. Preston Robertson, uh, the, the church, uh, was, was a part of the church. And he was uh, a member for years and years. And he went to Randall University. Uh, a young lady means nothing to me at all named Taryn Wagner, but she used to mean something to me. She used to be named Taryn Puckett, right? That is my daughter. She went to uh, uh, Randall from here at EHC, and now she is planting a church in Oklahoma City with her husband. Wes Schaefer has been an intern here. He's pastoring in Missouri. Um, Haley Hilton. Um, I know it means nothing to you guys over there, right? They're like, woo, Haley, right? Actually, I do too because I'm so proud of Haley. And uh, Haley is actually, 
so valuable there at the Randall campus that <laughs> President, uh, President Thompson has a number of just different times said so much about Haley and what she does and how she's just kind of the glue girl, you know. She, may be, she may be the next president. She yeah. goes, I mean, <laughs> I'll, I'll take 12 of them just like her. Yeah, I don't exactly. know how I can keep her busy, but that, she does a great job yeah. on campus. And the best part about Haley is, is if you know her, whatever you ask her to do, she'll do that and then some. And uh, then when she's done doing what you've asked her to do, she'll find something else before coming back to you. She's just a get-it-done girl, and uh, there's not a lot of get-it-done girls anymore, uh, or boys that, for that matter, and she is one. I mean, she is a go-getter, and I'm upset that she's there, not here, but she is going to Taryn and Mitch's church, so I am grateful and glad for that. Tatum Puckett, my other daughter, went, and she is now working at a sister church in Tulsa and Owasso area. Let's go to our next slide. Alexis Sanchez was an intern here. Elijah Brown was an intern here. Mitch Wagner was an intern here. Now, S-I-L. How many of you know what S-I-L means? He's my son-in-law. <laughs> so yes, Mitch Wagner is uh, my son-in-law. He is planting that church in Oklahoma City. Um, nine and ten, Jacob and Bianca Partridge, who are currently EHC interns and doing a great job. You can ask Eric what an amazing job these kids are doing, and uh, and ask Nain. I mean, they're just great people. Uh, Jessica Staples with an S um, uh, was a short-term intern here last summer, and this is my alma mater. And my name is Randall. <clears throat> Nobody believes me. Nobody ever believes me. All right, no, it's definitely not named for me. And then Shelly and I were talking about it, and I said, there's 12. And she said, did you remember to put uh, Philip and Linda Bender on there as well? Because they were also two people who went. And so there's at least 14 different people who have been dramatically impacted from our church alone from this Christian college there in Oklahoma City. And, uh, you know, our church has only been here for about 20, 21 years, 22 years. And so there's a lot of people that have been a blessing and have been blessed and have been shaped by Randall University. And this is repeated over and over and over again in church after church after church. And so part of the reason that I am a person who truly believes in the, the, the mission of Randall is because it changed my life. It changed my life. I can't tell you any more than that, and I can't say it any more plainly than that, but I will tell you I went in with a man, as a young man who did not know what he was going to be doing. He had felt that God called him to do something and didn't know what that looked like, didn't know how to do it, and didn't know what it would be. And Randall gave direction, gave training, gave education, gave confidence, gave opportunity to me in every way. And, uh, and it changed my life. I was there for two years, and I'm just appreciative for people like Brother Bob. And Brother Bob has been at Randall uh, in one form or another for how long? 21 years. 21 that years. There, yeah. 21 years. And, and I'm going to tell you, Brother Bob has been a successful pastor for years and years before then. But he felt called to go and do the things that he's doing at Randall. He didn't leave the pastor because he had to. He left the pastor because he felt called and believed in the mission. And for those of us who have had lives changed by Randall or have had kids whose lives have been changed by Randall and on and on and on, um, we just believe in the mission and um, 
we appreciate that. So I want to just share that. I've got more that I want to share. Okay. But maybe you want, want to just say a few words about this. Well, it, it is about the students, ultimately, and the impact we can make on their lives. We, we are a distinctively Christian university, and we teach through a biblical worldview. So when we sit down with mathematics or biology, it, there's always a biblical view to that. We, we sometimes think God does speak on all subjects. He speaks on every subject. He is the master teacher of every subject, regardless of of what it is. And so we hope through that prism of a biblical worldview, our students are challenged to be transformed so they can become leaders in the church and they can impact lives. And we're committed to that. And, and we have success stories over and over again. And I would say that not every student who comes out of there, I could say, is a success. And the student we'd like for them to be. But we have a campus with professors and staff that are there to impact lives. And if a student wants to find what God wants him to do, like Randy did, Randall's a place for that to be accomplished and be done. Did my life and my son's life, and we're thankful to have been a, a, a part of it. I'm, I'm a third generation, uh, my sons are, of, of supporting Randall University. My dad, uh, myself, and now my middle son is pastoring. So it, it is an important part of our life and our history. Yeah. And um, speaking of faculty that you just mentioned and how they're teaching, you guys have had some faculty, uh, you know, changes and that kind of thing. Yes. Um, and you're really excited about the staff that you got kind of there together. And you want to just share a little bit yeah, about that? Yeah. You know, you, when you take on new responsibilities, there's new people that come with you sometimes and some leave. Just that's just nature of it. You know, because we are a ministry, but we're also a business, so that's just a, a part of it. And so we've been able to bring some people on staff that have been very effective for us. One of my commitments was to be accountable to stewardship and take care of our money. And so I've been able to hire a CFO that has been very mindful and effective of that. You know, just in a passing thing, you know, it's been tough financially with COVID, and everybody knows that. But somehow out of this, God is so honored to us that we're probably in the strongest financial position we've been in as long as I can remember. And so, you know, nothing that we have done except to be good stewards, and then God has honored that and, and blessed us. And so, and we're also always trying to find the faculty members that we think can really reach out to the students. You see, there's a teaching part of it. That kind of takes an hour and a half, whatever the class period is. But what we consider the most important is a 15 minutes before and 15 minutes after that our professor will stay with the students. And if it's just not that, it'll be Thursday afternoon if you need us. We have a low class ratio, and so it gives us the opportunity to really make a difference and really touch their lives and know who they are. Yeah, and I think that's the part that changed my life, right. is that, you know, my professors weren't people that taught me stuff. They were people that, you know, kind of mentored me before and after and right. during the classes, and it's just a very different dynamic right. there, and it's, it's a life-changing Well, course. on my ordination papers is my dad's name. Yeah the president of, of Randall at that time, which was Bill Jones, and one of my closest friends that I, I met while I was there, Buddy Drake. And so that's, that's what it does. It just, they're, they're, that's my circle of friends and, and relationships that I have that I turn to in my needs, and, and they've been there for me. Lifetime friendships, and it right. really has been amazing. And a long-time wife. Who? who? A long-time wife. Who? Well, <laughs> she's been with me 50 years, man. I'm it's, telling you. It's a remarkable thing. Yeah. Can you imagine where your life would be without her? Um, so, Am I supposed to imagine? No, 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 no you're not. Say. You're not supposed to do that. Um, so speaking of your wife, another reason that I wanted to talk with you guys is, is that
I want to talk to you guys about what these people are doing behind the scenes. And he would not tell you this from a presentation, so this is part of why I'm doing the interview. Um, so when COVID hit, <clears throat> there were a lot of pastors that were very concerned about exactly what church was going to look like mm -hmm. after, you know, COVID, right? Because we just didn't know if that meant no more in-person meetings for knows how long, right? Um, and so one of the first people that really reached out to me was Brother Bob. And uh, he said, I'm going to be doing a Zoom meeting, and I'm going to do it on Wednesday mornings. And I'd like for you to come on and get together with some of the guys here in Oklahoma City. And we'll have you, and we'll have some guys in Oklahoma City, and some guys kind of spread out over the... And I'll be on there, and we'll just talk through what we're going through and what we're facing and what good ideas are working and what bad ideas aren't, you know, and I'm going to tell you something. Um, I, I told you guys back on Pastor Appreciation Day, there was a part of me that was worried that no one would come back. And I don't think I was alone uh, as a pastor who felt that. You just did not know what COVID was going to do. If you guys can put yourself back in that mindset of March 2020, we just didn't know what the world was going to look like, right? And so in the midst of those days, you reached out and you helped because I'm telling you, um, when you look at something that means everything in the world to you and you're not sure what's going to happen and you've got somebody there that's been doing it longer than you have and doing it successfully, you know, to say, hey, listen, God's going to get us through this and let's read this book together. Um, the book called Canoeing the Mountains that you recommended and, you know, that kind of thing is just on and on. You, you didn't have to do that, but you chose to do that. And I'm going to get to you in just a minute, Miss Carol, because I know that you're doing things behind the scenes that don't get mentioned either. But I appreciated it. It really meant a lot to me. I don't know what you might have a word or two to say about that. I don't know what, what you might think about well, I'm, I'm, I'm humbled by what you said. I didn't think anything of it at the time. It's just something I felt like needed to be done. And, you know, I've, I've been young and been in the pastorate, and, and I don't have the answers, you know, but, you know, it's always good to talk to someone. I, I always felt like the older pastors that I knew have always been an influence in my life. You know, my dad had Alzheimer's, and so he did not get to finish his ministry as he would like to have, but he easily administered or would have administered over 60-plus years. And so there's the ups and downs, and we need one another. Just as a that's what church fellowship's all about. You you need one another here, and you need to know occasionally that when they call you and say, you know, I'll call up some of our pastors, just say, hey, how was how was Sunday? Grade your sermon. Tell me how good you did. You know, just joking with them. I don't. You know, most of them don't give themselves A's, but they they tell me they've done a pretty good job. But. You know, I, I know what it means to pastor and hurt and worry and not know what's. And I was in the same position. I did not know what was going to happen. Well, the other thing that I wanted to mention that I knew you would not bring up is that there is something that you have that's called Big Bob's <laughs> Breakfast and Bible Study. Is that right? It's called BBBS, yeah. yeah Big, the, Bob's, Big Bob's Bible Study is actually what it's called. <laughs> but does the breakfast always get eaten, yes or yeah, no? Well, <laughs> we have a monthly, we have a weekly meeting and, and three young ministers that are ministering in the area. One of them works on campus and two of them in local churches. And I just started Bible study with them. And, 
And I'm an easy touch. They told me there's a great place to eat breakfast in Norman's called Jams, and so and it really is good. So yeah. I end up going there occasionally with breakfast. Them. Breakfast Jam is that right? Uh, I, th no, I don't. I don't want just I Jam. I think it's just Jams in Norman. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm hesitant. I, well, you haven't taken me, so I'm just wondering. I, I didn't know what that was. Well, <laughs> I haven't taken Carol either, so I'm in trouble for telling this either. So I'm, I'm a I'm a big breakfast freak anyway. But I, I, I yeah, it's just three young men. One of them's your son-in-law. That yeah. that. I spend time with, yes. Well, and that's part of what I wanted to say. I wanted to say I appreciate it. Um, and so does he. You know, I talked to him actually yesterday. And as we were talking a little bit, he said, I can't even imagine another university where the president stops what he's doing to once a month take me, a guy who really doesn't offer him anything. I'm past being in, in the school itself. Have no idea why... I'm on his radar, but I am, and so is another guy and another guy. And there was another guy that moved out of the Oklahoma City and right. can't be there, so yeah, you right. actually had four, four, when it started, four yeah. young men when you started it. Yeah. And um, I also know Sister Carol that is this, confirm this for me. Do you, do you guys actually have sleepovers with the young girls at your house? Is that true? Oh my gosh. Well, I'm going to tell you something. After Shelly and I have been married 30 years, we would never have a sleepover with young people at my house. I don't know what kind of energy or what y'all's, you know, like diet and intake or what's keeping y'all so young. But I'm telling you, you guys are taking it upon yourselves to mentor, not just from afar, but from up close and personal. And you're making a difference and you're making an impact. And, and you know, it doesn't make sense for you to do it, and it sure doesn't make sense for you to do it outside of one thing, and that is that you are called to make a difference, and you're making that difference, and it is powerful, and it is so encouraging, and this is the kind of people that change lives in the long term, not just simply in the short term. Now, I, I told him we were going to do a, an interview because he was not going to tell you guys this, and I know you weren't going to mention this, but I appreciate right. it. Because in so many ways, y'all are taking the mission of Randall and showing what it looks like when it's not an organization, but when it's a family or, or a couple. And y'all are making an impact and mentoring young people as they go into the ministry and as they serve God on their mission. And I know that you guys have had an impact on Mitch and Taryn, that they look to you guys as mentors, not just in their ministry, but in their, uh, in their marriage. And as a guy who can't step in there and mentor his daughter and son in the marriage that they have without it seeming like I'm maybe a little one-sided, y'all know what I mean, you guys are making an impact. And I just appreciate that. Can, can we give them a hand for this? I mean, isn't that awesome? Thank you, guys. So what do you got to say about that? I don't know what to say. <laughs> you know, my wife taught public school for 26 years, and so... Uh, she retired. I, I, I was worried about her, what she did when she retired, what she's going to do. I come home one day about 9.30, and she's, she's in the bed watching an old movie, drinking coffee, eating yogurt, and I thought, she's got this down pat. This retirement works for her. But th that's all her vision and her passion to, to reach out to the young ladies. You know, uh, you, know, I, you know, I pastored and ministered and all that stuff, and so... Some of it's natural to me because I've always had this interaction with young pastors and other pastors. But it, my wife just took this on, and uh, you know she cooks and for them, and they 
you know, they, she calls them her girls, and I can't talk, say anything about her girls. I get in trouble if I do. So it, it, it's just thrilled. You know, it, it, it's not us, guys. I, I know we're doing it. it. It's just God in us and, and giving us this opportunity. And whatever accomplishes that, Randall, whatever it is done, it isn't anything in my ability. It's not on my wisdom. It's his, his wisdom. I just get to be at, at a time and place where he's doing the work that he's doing, and I, I get some credit for it, but I, I don't deserve any of it, I can assure you. So you guys don't know this, but I'm actually on the, uh, the board at uh, Randall University, and um, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think that we could have chosen a better man to do the presidency than Brother Bob. He has been incredible. He has been, to me, one of the most successful men in that uh, position that and I've and I've been knowing about Randall University and pretty well connected there for better than 35 years. Um, so I'm I'm here to tell you that uh, I remember Bill Jones, <laughs> who signed your uh, ordination paper when he I remember when he was president, and on and on and on down the line. And you are doing a phenomenal job. And you have had some things that have come up with COVID and stuff like that. And in the midst of it all, God has got his fingerprints all over what you're doing. Um, and, and you need to be commended. You need to be recognized. And it just needs to be said that whatever you are doing is allowing God to work through you. And for that, I appreciate yeah. it. And the school that means so much to me is in better hands and better shape than it has been in decades since you took that spot, yeah. and I appreciate that very, very much, and uh, I just want to say that that means a lot to me. Yeah, thank you. And um, I'm going to let you talk a little bit about Randall because I know you guys have made some improvements and stuff like that. But I, 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 this would have been the longest intro in history had I gone through all of this. But I wanted to make sure that it got mentioned and got said because I know I probably more than some a little bit about what's going on behind the scenes. So it, it's been a you know, it's always. We have 39 acres, 15 buildings. There's always things we have to take care of and be responsible for. I, I look at that property. It's not mine. It's the Lord's. And so when it's Lord's property, I think we have a real responsibility to take care of it and not neglect it. And we've not always been real good at that. So I've just undertaken some projects to, to see that some things were improved, such as the dorms. You know, a great story. We were just yeah. going to do one little dorm for $40,000. And so we just sent out a letter and said, hey, we're going to use this. And do this and we got a four thousand dollar check so i'm i'm a brilliant tactician i thought well, we can do more so let's raise more money and go into the boys dorm and so there'll be pictures a little later on when we went into the boys dorm and raised another hundred thousand plus and and completed it and this is mr COVID. so that you know you can, it's not my fundraising skills god just had his hand in it our people are generous and then we want to redo our science lab. You know, uh, you know. I think it's that's one of the things when I say biblical worldview, we, we, science needs to be taught from a biblical worldview, not a not a secular worldview. But we need to have facilities that are attractive to our students, and and they won't be in slides of the science lab. It still be it'll be completed before August. But we raised over eighty four thousand dollars of that in less than six months, and our our goal was eighty. And it's still money coming in. We're still using it for the project. But God's just been real good to us, allow us to do these projects. And I want to just say thank you to the EHC family for whenever you guys are faithful and you give. 
It gives us the opportunity to give to these kinds of causes that are worthwhile and making a difference in kingdom projects and stuff like that. We've also donated um, to the uh, Science Lab, and I think there might be a slide at the very end of this group uh, that uh, maybe shows a little bit of the schematic. Maybe it's not. I'm not sure. Okay, no problem. But uh, we've been uh, a part of that. We haven't done a lot, but if you would like to give today to Randall, please do. Um, Brother Bob, his, his expenses are being paid for. Um, but ultimately, if you guys would like to give an additional gift over and above on your tithes and your offerings, you can do that via Easy Tithe. You can do that at the pillar at the back whenever you leave. You can do that in all the different various ways like PayPal and all the things that we normally do, text to give, all that stuff. And if you're interested in being a, a support to this great ministry, feel free, please do. They can use every dime and every dime gets used in a way that is doing kingdom work and training people for doing kingdom work. And so for that, we're very grateful and appreciative. Um, what else do you want to share about uh, what's going on at Randall? And I'm going to have you just say a, a, a preach with us. <laughs> you know, we start in August and a new student body freshman class comes in, some transfer students, and we'll begin the process of, of, of working on that. We, we do a freshman experience where they come in, the freshmen come in early, and we do some training with them and prepare them for studying. They, they've left home for the first time. They're supposed to be alone, and, and mom and dad's supposed to let them grow up, and so we want them to be a part of that. And so we're looking for a new semester. We, we expect our numbers to be down. Uh, we think there's a lot of reasons for that. We've worked hard not to be the case, but I think it's just going to be down in all universities. Uh, but, you know, God's always met our needs, and we believe you'll continue to meet our needs, and there'll be new students on our campus that we have an opportunity to impact, to transform, to make them into leaders. And so, it, to me, it's an exciting time to see what God's going to bring on our campus. Real quickly, I know that we've mentioned it here from this, uh, from this stage, but talk a little bit about the uh, Dr. Uh, Thomas Marbury uh, scholarship. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, any ministerial student who comes in who feels called in the ministry, which that will include pastoral theology, I think uh, Jacob is a, a, in theology, uh, and or youth, family, and worship, uh, we offer a tuition waiver to them, and we call it a Dr. Thomas Marbury Scholarship. He was a longtime professor of, uh, of Randall. The sem he was a president of the seminary in Mexico, a great impact on Frio Baptist. And so it, it's to honor him, and that, that gifts to that particular scholarship fund goes to offset the cost uh, of the scholarships, which is this past year was about $600,000 plus we gave him a scholarship for that. But... It, 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 it isn't that what we want our ministerial students to, to walk out as less dead as they possibly can to help them as they go into the youth work or pastoral work. So we're very mindful of, of what a burden that could be with that responsibility that they have in church. Absolutely. And for you, if you did not catch that, that is a tuition waiver. They basically don't pay tuition so they can come out of that and go into ministry and not be saddled with debt because most, most people in our circle of Free Will Baptist churches, they don't exactly go into the ministry for money. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> um, it is usually far from that. And so they need uh, that opportunity to uh, uh, to have that uh, education paid for, yeah, and it just, just by the names, it's like Mitch and and, and Jacob and, and others like him that have served this church has the privilege of that scholarship. So when you give to him, that's that's what you're giving toward. And, and do we remember, it, it's not given to me. You're ultimately giving to the Lord. Yes. But one step below that, 
you're impacting lives by that. And uh, you'll know what an eternal difference you made when Jesus says, well done, that good and faithful servant. I think there'll be some revelation of it to the number of lives that you have impacted and made a difference in because you think, well, I just gave it to that school. What difference? Well, it makes a big difference. It really does. Absolutely. All right. Well, this is going to end our time okay. uh, around the interview, but I do want you to share a word of, uh, you know, from the scriptures and that okay. kind of thing. So can everybody just stand with me real quick? I know that you guys have been sitting for a minute. So we're going to have a, a, just a brief prayer, and then we're going to allow uh, Brother Bob to share uh, from the scriptures, and, uh, and then we'll be closing out. Um, so let's pray together and ask that his blessings would be on this time around God's word. Heavenly Father, just use Brother Bob to give us the words from your word that we need to hear. Thank you for all that you are doing in and through Randall University. Continue to bless Brother Bob as he leads that life-changing place continue to be a blessing to our students there and use them for your purposes as they go out and in the midst of everything that is being done there lord may your fingerprints be all over it because it is truly you who change lives in jesus name we pray amen maybe right, you can be seated. maybe seated i know if you've ever heard a preacher say this this won't take long they don't always tell the truth, but it won't take long. You can be seated. You'll, it won't take long. Just turn to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. Before I read some verses out of Acts chapter 12, this is a very, I've got a little echo here, a, a real pivotal chapter in the book of Acts. The church in Acts chapter 2 really began after the message on Pentecost where over 3,000 people were saved, and the Lord began to add to the church daily. Well, from that experience to where we read in Acts chapter 12, it's 15 years. And the church has, in some sense, even though you think of 3,000 people being saved, but you've got to think of the population that they were responsible for. That was just a minuscule amount of people, really. And they've, they've struggled. Uh, they're really a beleaguered church that's, that's really struggling. And they're struggling against a godless theocracy, that Israel nation that just despises this little church that has started up. And now they're facing a rather hostile world that's opposed to what they are doing. And so that's that centerpiece of Acts chapter 12. It's also pivotal because... Up to this point, Jerusalem has been the centerpiece of this growth of the church. After Acts chapter 12, Jerusalem is no longer the centerpiece. Antioch becomes the centerpiece, where they were first called Christians. It becomes the base of all the missions effort that takes place from the local church at this point on. And on top of that, the primary leader of the church, Simon Peter, really disappears off the scene. As he leaves this chapter... He's mentioned one more time in Acts chapter 15, Galatians chapter 2, and what we learn about him from 1 Peter and 2 Peter. So it's a big shift, a big change. And so it's extremely pivotal what takes place in this chapter. In a lot of the song that we sang about our foundation being shaken, I want you to read these first with me, these first five verses, and see how the foundation of this church and of these Christians are being shaken by what's taking place. Here's what God's Word said. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. 
And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded farther to seize Simon Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison, delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Here's what we're introduced. We're introduced to Herod, who's persecuting or harassing the church. Simon Peter, who has encountered this persecution, now finds himself in prison. And the church, who's constantly praying for Simon Peter. And I hope to draw some parallels to this first century church, to the 21st century church that we are a part of. And what I think we need to note, first of all, there are some insurmountable difficulties that this church is facing. You know, it began with this statement when the church started. It found favor with men. But shortly thereafter, terms like this began to appear in the scriptures. They laid hands on them and put them in custody. Other words about this church. They were severely threatened by them. There were those about this local church, and these Christians were filled with indignation because of this church. They put Simon Peter and James in a common prison. They beat them. Then Stephen was stoned. And then chapter 8 tells us there was great persecution. And Saul, who later became Paul, made havoc of the church, dragging them to prison. They harassed the church, and that's what Herod does. And notice what it says. He harassed the church because it pleased the Jews, his political base. You see, up to this point, it has been the godless theocracy, the Sadducees who are simply persecuting the church. They had no real authority, no real power. So that's why I hear words like laid hands on, put them in custody, threaten them, come in prison. But now that Herod steps on the scene, this becomes a serious persecution. His grandfather's Herod the Great, who commanded that all children under two be killed because he was trying to destroy the child Jesus. His uncle, Herod Antipatus, beheaded John the Baptist. And now Herod is harassing the church, killed James, and put Simon Peter in prison. He has the authority and the power to do that because he is a part of the Roman Empire. He's been trained in Rome. He worked and labored side by side with one of the vilest of all emperors, Caligula. He was the very arm, the very voice of the Romans. And so when he started this persecution, this is serious persecution. They're seriously being threatened by someone who has all the authority and all the power to do what he pleases to them. And he's in the business of doing that because he wants to please his base. And I'm suggesting that this persecution is serious. 
It's severe. It's threatening, and it's damaging to the local church. So what's this church going to do? But let me suggest that's not only the difficulties the church was facing. If you go back to chapter 11, the last few verses, there's a famine in Jerusalem. And the churches in Antioch, these fellowship believers outside of Jerusalem, are taking up a love offering and helping those who are hungry and hurting. So not only is there this onslaught of this persecution by Herod, they're facing financial difficulties. We could call it inflation, if you want, to a recession. These are tough times for the local church. They're starving. They're hungry. They're not sure what's going to be happening next. Their foundation has been shaken to the core. Let me tell you something else about this little church that they're struggling with. They've got some internal church problems. Now, we sometimes read the book of Acts, and we think this church is just breezing through it all. They didn't get along. In fact, in Acts chapter 6, they're debating over the widows. You're not taking care of the Hebrew widows like you're taking care of the Grecian widows. They've got some problems here. And so they choose out seven deacons to solve the problem. That local church is debating you know, how to take care of one another. You know they're also discussing who ought to be in the fellowship? Should Gentiles be able to sit in the church with the Jewish brethren and everything be fine? They have a conference in Acts chapter 15 to finally settle that. In fact, Acts chapter 10 is where Simon Peter finally gets his commission to go out among the Gentiles and reach them. And when he tells them what's happened, there's some thinking, hey, we can't have that. We don't need that. And so here this church, for 15 years, is struggling, facing this onslaught of persecution at this point in his life. Economic problems, uncertain where the next offering will come from. And on top of that, they're having a little problem getting along with one another and settling it all. So I'm suggesting this is some insurmountable difficulties that the church is facing. But let me turn to you give some words of encouragement. There is an invisible deity that's involved in what takes place. Now, I want to read on a little bit in verse uh, 6 of this chapter. And listen to what he says. Herod was about to bring him out that night. Now, listen to this. Peter was sleeping bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Then an angel of the Lord stood by him, a light shone, shone in prison, and he struck Peter on the side, raised him up, rise quickly, the angel said, and the chains fell off his hand, and then the angel said to him, girt yourself and tie to your sandals. They've taken Simon Peter and put him in a prison. And I want, to, I want to just go through this prison, and I want to listen to what's happening. Two chains between two soldiers. Guards before the door, keeping the prison. And I think if you ever underline two words, in that little section, there's two words that kept or keeping. And it's the same words that Simon Peter uses in 1 Peter when he says we are kept by the power of God. He's declaring the fact, I am in bondage, held tightly by Herod's soldiers. And so that, that's, that's the circumstances he's, he's in. It goes on to say that there is, as he leaves, there's a first and second guard post. 
Then there's an iron gate. Do you get the idea here? I mean, chained between two soldiers, guards in front of the prison door, a gate with guards, another gate with guards, and then an iron gate. I would suggest he is kept. He's in prison. He's not getting out of this. In fact, I would assume because earlier in his ministry he'd been in prison and he got out, Herod's making sure this is not going to happen again. But what we understand in this passage, there's a greater power than Herod. There's a sovereign God, the deity above all deity, who's in control of this prison. Chain him like you want to. Put him as far down the ground as you want to. I can get him out if I so choose. And that's exactly what God did. Notice and I, I really need to go on. Let me just go and read it. And let's go back to verse 8. Girt yourself, tie on your sandals. Verse 9, so he went out and followed and did not know that it was done by an angel. I thought he was seeing a vision. Now notice what he says. Then he went past the first and second guard post. Now think about that. I mean, someone was standing there. He just passed by and they never did see. Well, I don't even know the way to look at it. One guard, two guards, two gates, there. And even, listen to what it says here. He came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own. <coughs> which suggested it was locked. And all of a sudden it just swings open. Now how did all that happen? Now, the liberal commentaries would say, well, lightning struck at a certain time, and this all happened. Biblically speaking, God opened up the prison and set him free. Which should remind us that no, deep, no matter how deep we may be in the bondage to whatever it may be, our God is able to set us free. So this invisible deity revealed his absolute power over everything. But another truth, it's the presence of God. This angel is an unfolding of God's presence. And I think it's important that we see that because you remember the last words, some of the last words Jesus said to the disciples, lo, I will be with you always. It doesn't matter how far away you may be, you're never too far from God. Isn't that what the angel tells us? God is present with Simon Peter in prison. So when we've gone through all of this stuff we're going through in the 21st century, good news, God is there with you. Whether you're in the pulpit or in prison, God is with you. But I want to note another thing that I think is very important in this passage. And that's the passivity of Simon Peter. In essence, read the passage that says that Simon Peter was sleeping. Note that. So let's go back to the occasion of Matthew chapter 14 where there's this storm. And the disciples are on this boat. And they run to Jesus that, who is what? He is sleeping. And what does Simon Peter say to Jesus who is sleeping? Carest thou not that we perish? Now isn't this an ironic twist that here he's sound asleep? Not worried about a thing, but he, he, he really chided Jesus for sleeping in a, in a storm. But let me remind you another thing. 
Remember when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and prayed? What happened to Simon Peter? He fell asleep. Now, all of a sudden, his life is so changed that in the midst of knowing that the next day, Herod's going to take him out of prison and behead him, he is sound asleep. Now, isn't that remarkable? Let's be honest. Just, just in the fact of our little troubles we may be facing the next day, whatever they may be, don't we have some sleepless nights over them? I mean, really, they're not big things, not important things, but we worry about them. I do. I think about them. But here's Simon Peter, knowing that any moment, one of these guards is going to open this door, take him out to the court of Herod, and he will be punished, beheaded, executed, and he's sound asleep. Well, here's some words that Peter wrote in his own epistle. I've committed my soul to him in well-doing. So he laid down, chained to two soldiers, and I don't even know how he slept chained to two soldiers. I, I don't sleep very well when I'm not in my own bed. Here he is in a dark, damp dungeon. He's sound asleep. So there's this invisible deity. But, but I want to conclude with what I think is really important. There's this invincible devotion. I want you to look back with me at verse 5. There is constant prayer was offered to God by him. The word constant can either mean, mean earnest or agony. So this local church was earnestly praying. More than that, I want to note, they're also at Mary's house, and they've been praying all night long. Now let me tell you the rest of the story. Simon Peter's out of prison. He goes to the house of Mary where they're having this prayer meeting. Knocks on the door. A young lady by the name of Rhoda comes to the door. Knows it's Simon Peter. Doesn't open the door. She runs back in and tells the prayer meeting. Guess who's out there? Simon Peter. Guess what they said in the prayer meeting? Ah, you seen an angel vision. That's not really Simon Peter. No, she said, that's Simon Peter. I find it ironic he could get out of prison, but he couldn't get in the prayer meeting. They wouldn't let him in. They finally go to the door, and there's Simon Peter. Now, how do you kind of take over here? They were praying earnestly with agony at midnight for Simon Peter, and when he shows up, they're saying, well, that can't be Simon Peter. That's not possible that's Simon Peter. So what most people suggest is that this was doubting prayer. They really were praying, but they weren't real sure that God would answer the prayer. So when Peter showed up, they were thinking, we're surprised. Now, that could be the case. But I, I want to make another case. It might have been what they were praying for. The difference in what they're praying for. Because why, why should the church believe that Simon Peter could be delivered? James wasn't. I mean, James was killed. So there's no reason for them to believe that God's going to set Simon Peter free. Not that they didn't believe he couldn't, but their assumption is, is if, if, if James died, Simon Peter's next, 
And I really think they're here in this prayer meeting knowing that they're next. I mean, if he's harassing, bringing havoc to the church, if he's placating to the base, I'm convinced Herod wants this church eliminated. So maybe what they were praying for is what they prayed for in Acts chapter 4, verse 28 and verse 29, when they were set out of prison and they were threatened. You know what they prayed for? God give us boldness. No, no, don't deliver us. Give us boldness. When Peter was in prison before, he never asked for deliverance. I don't know that he's asking for deliverance here. And I don't know that the church was praying that God would deliver them. I believe for myself that they were praying that God would grant them boldness, that when the Romans and Herod's guard came, they would go out with boldness. We are never promised deliverance in the Scriptures. We often sin, but we are promised boldness when we ask for it. That's what God promises us. So when you pray, it might be what you're praying for to be sure of answers. God may not bring deliverance because he may let James die. But God can't always grant us peace and boldness in difficult times. Two things to learn from this very quickly. Number one, read the rest of the chapter. That's what I can, someone said, the rest of the story. Herod dies. God took care of the problem, didn't he? Now, the Roman emperor's on the horizon, and persecution's going to get worse. But for this, for this time, God took care of the problem. The next thing that happened is the word of God multiplied, that's what the Bible says. Acts chapter 13 starts, and they're commissioning Paul and Silas and John Mark to go out into the mission field. So here's our answer to this shaking foundation we're a part of, this uncertainty that's part of it. We have got to become more active in missions. We've got to be more aware of the fact that folk are lost and desperately in need of Jesus and quit worrying about this crumbling world we're a part of. This world's going to dissolve eventually when Christ comes back. What we've got to worry about is how many we can reach and tell about Jesus. And I would suggest this to this church. We're not in the business of converting people. We're in the business of sowing seeds and telling them about Jesus. God converts them. But our responsibility, are we going out doing what the Apostle Paul, Barnabas, Silas, and John Mark did. Let's bow our heads for prayer. I'm, I'm going to have a, a prayer, have them just play a song uh, just and for a moment, and if you feel the need to come, you're more than welcome to. I, I know the invitations to, at the behest of the church how you feel comfortable to do this but if God has spoken to you you have been challenged through his word I ask that you be responsive to however you can need to be there in the pew maybe you need to come forward and have others to pray for you so let's let's pray father we're thankful for the privilege and opportunity to be here the opportunity to share your word and its truth God bless the Eagle Heights Church God help me to be more mission minded in Jesus name amen brother Randy Amen. For just a moment, let's take a, a brief moment, and Aine is going to play. We'll sing a song as we end in just a moment, but, you know, um, as Brother Bob has said, 
the Lord has been speaking and whatever you're going through, whatever burden you're carrying and whatever um, impossible situation you are facing, we're serving and able to pray to the God who there is no such thing as impossible. He is the God who can do all things. And I don't know what is going on in your life that may have you thinking that this is an impossible situation that can't ever change. But I will tell you once again, this is a perfect example and a perfect reminder that God is always able. So would you just bow your heads very quickly? And if you know you're dealing with something right now that you know, it just feels impossible. It just feels like there's no answer. There's no way that something can change, but you know that something needs to change. Would you just simply lift your hand and say, yes, this is where I'm at. This is what's going on for me. The difficulty that I face is beyond what I am able to do on my own. I see hands. Is there, are there more? Yes. Amen. 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 May God bless you and you. And God bless you as well, as well. May God bless you. And Heavenly Father, you know our hearts and you have seen our hands. We lift our hands to you in, a, in just a sign of surrender that your power would be the thing that we rely upon. And in the midst of whatever we are facing, Whatever difficulties seem insurmountable, we know that you are the God who can do all things. And so we ask that you would begin to move, that you would begin to show yourself, and that we as your people would continue to seek your face and ask for those changes to happen within ourselves and within our lives and our circumstances that would bring glory and honor to you. You are God, you are able, and we worship you. We thank you for this time around your word. May you be glorified in our lives as we leave. And Lord, may you work. And may we be faithful to declare that you are the one who has delivered. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.